What's going on, everybody? Welcome back in the Heated Agreement. I'm your host, Dorfy. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We've got a big show for you. Uh, we get a high school, former high school football coach to join us. We're going to be previewing the 2A through 4A state semifinal matchups that I believe are starting today. Uh, we make some predictions. We talk about that. Uh, college football rankings came out on Tuesday while we were recording. And shortly thereafter, Ohio State was granted a wish by the Big Ten. The Big Ten helps them out. Um, they waived the rule that Ohio State or any Big Ten team, therefore, has to play at least six conference games to make their title game after three cancellations because of COVID. Ohio State was sitting at five and no, yes, five and zero oh after playing Michigan and beating Michigan State and beating them like a drum. And then the Michigan game this week gets canceled, and shortly thereafter, like I said, the Big Twin. Big Ten waves the rule. So obviously the Big Ten can kind of do what it wants. What I've been thinking about is how come the college football committee has been ranking Ohio State in these teams that hadn't played six games? So normally in a normal season, I think it's after the sixth week is when they finally start ranking teams. And this year, I think it was the fifth week. So, I mean, what, whatever it was, I, they, they should have a threshold for teams to make the college football playoff, whatever that is. If you meet it, then you can get in. Um, let's see. So, I know they changed it. Originally, 2014, they did it week 10. So, all the teams were at least 7 7-0, 8-0-ish. Played eight games. And then now, 2019, the last couple years, it was after week seven or eight. I'm sorry, it's always been week 10. So if it's such a big deal that you wait this long in the season to put the rankings out so you can have a full slate of games to judge everybody off of, why why let Ohio State stick up so high in your rankings originally? Make them work their way up there. And I think that the committee, and maybe I'm way off base here, but I believe the committee should have taken that into consideration instead of moving Ohio State down as, you know, it doesn't make sense. So you start the season, the first week of college football rankings, and Ohio State is at number three or four with have only played one, maybe two games, I think. Why, why have them so high when all you've seen is one game of them when a lot of what you've done every year since you've been in existence is we want to see what you look like at the back half of your schedule. We know you can look very good at the beginning. Why rank Ohio State that high early on? It saves you a lot of headache, and then it, it, it's defendable too. If they would have came out and said, Ohio State, we, we theor theoretically think that they are a top two team in the country, but all these other teams have been proving it for five to six, seven weeks now. And we've only seen one game from these guys. Yeah, but they have Justin Fields. They have all these five stars. Their defense, their front seven is stacked. But you know, that secondary, it could, it, it could have some issues. Michael Penix figured it out in the second half. You gotta play the games. And I'm not saying Ohio State does not deserve a playoff bid. 
but I am saying that I don't believe that you should be having them ranked as highly as you do now. They they need to earn it. They need to get up there with by earning it on the field, not what they've recruited to and what they've done in the past. Anyways, getting into that right before we're about to bring on the Tobin interview, but that's just my two cents on it. I think at the end of the day, when we sit down and lay our heads at night, what is that going to be the 20th? So the night before December 21st, when we go to bed that night, I think your playoff teams are going to be something along the lines of this. Number one, Alabama. Oh, man. I guess I'm just calling my shot on the Notre Dame game. I think Notre Dame might – I think Notre Dame pulls it off. Maybe it's – I'm biased and hoping for A&M. But I've got Notre Dame pulling it off. So you got Alabama number two, Notre Dame number th- – excuse me. Alabama number one, Notre Dame number two, and then you can find Ohio. I, I bet they switch it up, though. You know, once they realize the four teams that are going to get in there – they're not afraid to move the rankings around to get the matchups they want. So I think you're going to be looking at number one, Alabama, number two, Notre Dame, number three, Texas A&M, number four, Ohio State. And I think that's what you'll have right there. You saw it in 2017, maybe that was 18, with Alabama and Georgia playing in the college football final. You don't, they don't, they don't not kind of want to make that match up there in the semis. So I think they'll let Texas A&M jump Ohio State wouldn't make a lot of sense, but I think they'll let Texas A&M jump Ohio State to become the three seed to avoid having to play Alabama again. But with that, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on that. We'll see how it all plays out. And here is the interview with Tobin and our preview on Texas high school football semifinals. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So Rawls enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. Welcome back in the heated agreement. I'm Jorfi, joined today by Tobes, our high school football guy. He's a uh, Texas high school football legend from uh, from over there in Central Texas. Was that the five one two? No, that's the two five four, baby. Two five four, two five four. Got to mix yeah. it up. And you're using the word legend very loosely. I actually didn't play high school football, but I did coach it and uh, been around it a lot. Yeah, legend doesn't mean you have to play it. I mean, String is a Texas Aggie football legend. He, I doubt he ever played football. <laughs> I, I've I've listened to a couple of his podcasts. Pretty pretty insightful. Yeah, um, I guess just real quick, the college football playoff rankings just dropped. Uh, nothing new in the top six. You got Alabama at one, Notre Dame at two, Clemson at three, Ohio State at four, and then the Aggies at five, Gators at six, and just like. I predicted the Iowa State Cyclones hopped the Cincinnati Bearcats. The Bearcats haven't played since November 21st. And I'm trying to remember who it was. So they beat 
the Cyclones beat Texas two weeks ago, and then they just demolished one of the better defenses in the country in West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, what they 45 or 42 up on them this past weekend was like 45 to three yeah. or something like that. And I want to say West Virginia either was favored or it was like a two and a half point. They were two and a half point dogs. It was supposed, it was a close uh, spread. It was, it was supposed to be close. And I, I didn't think it, I think it was five and a half. Woody was over there telling me that I needed to hop, hop on that because it was Iowa State at home. And I was like, oh. that was one of my locks. I just, I just couldn't hop on Iowa State. You know that the, even the games that they're supposed to win, they always find a way to keep them close. So uh, I was, I was rather shocked by that. And then I saw a stat or, or a tweet today about how Cincinnati has not played since November twenty first with all the cancellations. And as a non-power five team, that's eventually going to come back to bite you in the ass. Mm-hmm. You, you, you just got to keep playing. So like if BYU would have won and played after they played Coastal last weekend, I think you would have seen them try to pick up somebody else along the way, maybe A&M with the way that it turned out today. Right. Um, but since they lost, they're kind of out of playoff comp, uh, well, conversation in New Year's Six. So go ahead. I think what hurts Cincinnati a little bit is uh, SMU dropping out of the top 25. Um, that right. was their only top 25 win. And when S- – I don't remember who SMU played, but they went and laid an egg real bad and uh, dropped out. And then Tulsa, once they beat Tulsa, Tulsa will drop out of the top 25, and then they won't have any top 25 wins anymore. Right. So with that happening, you had to think that somebody eventually would probably jump Cincinnati. It was just – it was just a matter of when. Right. Which brings me to my next thing about the college football rankings today is does Iowa State have a chance to get in? Oh, man. You think about it. Florida loses. Yeah. They, they jump them. If they beat – and then they beat OU, that might be enough to jump the Aggies. So, I think they could find their way at five – if Clemson were to fall to Notre Dame, I think you could see a chance. I don't. I don't know if they'll jump the Aggies. I, I just think. don't think they jump the Aggies. Uh, I think the I, you hear the the so called eye test. A and M beat Florida. Um, Florida's most likely going to lose to Alabama, so that'd be two top five losses for Florida. I just don't see an Iowa State team who, while while UL Lafayette is good. They're a top 25 team, but they're not a top 10 team. Um, and then Iowa State also, who was their other loss again? I'm trying to remember. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's falling off. They don't look like the Cowboys did at the start of the year, who is that top 10 team. Um, I mean, they just got absolutely, I wouldn't say just smoked, but TCU really put it on them in that second half of that last game. Yeah. The <laughs> cool thing about having an actual – anyways, so if you had Iowa State's – resume this year in a normal BCS year mm-hmm. you would probably be ranked in the 15s with two losses uh, this year where the committee can look and see that that Oklahoma State team that they beat earlier in the year is not the same team that they are now due to injuries and other other circumstances and then you can look and see that Lafayette is you know and you can see that it's a COVID year weird stuff happened at the end, beginning of the year yeah, and so I think you're seeing also the reason that A&M's number five is number one. The loss was Alabama, Alabama, but that was an ugly, like terrible loss. 
but it gets a little bit forgiven now when that's people judging it instead of computers so that there's yeah. time to forget and obviously they don't forget they see the loss on the the one on the other end of the record but at the same time i think this is a scenario where if you're going to lose you lose at the beginning of the season and i think if Iowa State were to win the Big 12 against Oklahoma, then you get another top 15 win. I, th I still think they need two of the people. So I think obviously Florida, we're, we're banking on Florida to lose. We're just right. going to throw that out there. Yeah. So they'll jump Florida. They can get to six. There's a pathway to six. There's a chance. I I, I still think they need A&M to lose to Tennessee. Um, I don't know. No. Now say what the say case. Yeah. But then if Clemson loses twice without, and then Clemson would not have a conference championship, I think Iowa State would jump in front of Clemson for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know what would happen with A&M and Iowa State. Well, we'll put this scenario out there. So say, you know, Ohio, which I think, I don't think this will happen because I think the Big Ten will change the rules for Ohio State. But say Ohio State doesn't get to play in the Big Ten championship and they're done for the year. Um Clemson, Clemson loses to Notre Dame. AM jumps up to number three. Who comes in at four? Do you put Ohio State in with only five games? Or you put a, what, nine and two conference champion Iowa State in there at number four over Ohio State because of that body of work and that eye test? Because then you look at it, they beat Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's playing pretty good right now. Yeah, so I think you – can you you're saying that you're saying in this scenario they don't you they don't fix it up to where they get to play the Big Ten title game. Um, yeah, I'm putting the scenario that say that that somehow doesn't happen, which I do think that's going to happen. That you're always going to prop up your best team. You're good. Right. You're, yeah. So may, maybe it's because I like chaos, but I think I would take Iowa State due to the quality of wins they have. So when mm -hmm. it's all, when it's all said and done, they'll have. A top 25 win over Texas, a top 15. Two over, two over Oklahoma. Two top two wins over Oklahoma. Forgot about that. Um, a loss to a team that in the eyes of the committee is probably a top 25 team. And then a, yeah. another top 25 team in losing it. And then Iowa State has two losses, but then when you factor in the fact that Iowa State will be a conference champion and Ohio State won't, I think that can make up for that second loss and give you enough reason to propel them over Ohio State. I think if Ohio State doesn't play in the championship game, they're fucked. Yeah, oh, there, there's no doubt. They, ha they have to play in the conference championship game. If they don't, they're done. So, question. Ohio State doesn't play in the conference championship game. Clemson gets drubbed by Notre Dame. Is there three teams, SEC teams in the playoff? Florida beats Bama. I I I don't think you will. If Florida beats Bama, yes. Florida. So if you see Florida beats Bama, that that will put Florida in for sure. Somewhere probably around number two. And, and you're or, not gonna. You're, yeah. Notre Dame Notre would be Dame one in this scenario. Florida two. Bama three. Bama three. Would AM get in? I think in that scenario, they'd probably throw Ohio State in there just for shits and gigs. Like we already know how this cookie plays out. Yeah, because then you think there would be so much hell. Well, then you have you have one versus four, and then you have a match, which would be AM and Notre Dame, unless you want to put Bama four, 
and then you do a rematch of Florida and uh, A&M at two and three, but I just don't see that happen. I think the committee would do some, they're, they're, they're going to do something to where that doesn't happen. Right. But what could be? I, I like all these what ifs. Uh, I mean, it's you remember the BCS, there's always people like, I want chaos, I want chaos to see what the computers do. We haven't yeah, had, really remember, had true chaos. We wanted all that chaos after that, what, nine to six LSU Alabama game. And then Alabama comes and kind of, I wouldn't say kicks LSU's ass in the national championship, but they put it on them pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to kind of close that out, I, I, we always cheered for chaos back then. And I don't think the committees really had the touchdown Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think the committees really had true chaos to figure out. I think that one year where Ohio State had to get picked over the Big 12 schools, I think that's really the toughest decision they've ever had to make. But I think if you see Clemson lose. Which if I'm Baylor in that in that year, I'm pissed. Right, because Ohio State went through and won it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you like chaos, I think you want to be cheering for Clemson to lose to Notre Dame. Florida to beat Alabama and Ohio State to either not win their conference game or not get in the conference game, either or. Mm -hmm. If that were to happen, I think you would have to, the committee would either have to go with three SEC teams or take an Iowa State. I, I could see them taking Iowa State over A&M in that scenario and it being, you know, not called for, but understandable not that i would agree with it but somewhat warranted yeah um any other comments on the college football playoff rankings no, for this pretty, week pretty much what i thought it was going to be honestly um it really it really kind of as an as an AM fan looking at it it really kind of sucks you know that our game against old miss got canceled because that would have just been one more opportunity to, for the committee to see us in ohio state not playing this weekend yeah lives um, would have been on us and so uh, that was really kind of a missed opportunity, which I know everybody else has harped on, but it's just one of those things. So um, now that we're through that, what, uh, let's get to your specialty. What are your thoughts on, did you watch it? I know we were texting back and forth during the Columbus and Houseville game. Did you watch other games this weekend? Yeah, I kind of flipped through uh, through all of them. Uh, not, I wouldn't say all of them, um, but 4A through 2A, just to kind of see what was going on around the state. Uh, I was going to start at the top on the 4A D1. Um, we're down to the semifinals for each division, uh, 4A through 2A, and then 1A is actually six man state game is there they've got the state uh, teams i guess lock, locked in already but i don't know a whole lot about them so i'm gonna i'm gonna uh leave those alone okay 4a d1 uh final four we have the canyon eagles versus argyle the argyle eagles um if you're familiar with college or not college high school football you know that argyle is one of those mainstay programs that's always in it every single year um, they're led by quarterback C.J. Rogers. He's thrown for about 3,000 yards this year, and they have a three-star receiver, uh, Cole Kirkpatrick, who's went for 1,200 yards this year. So they're pretty solid through the air, and they also have a couple guys over 500 yards rushing. So 
they're pretty uh, dynamic offensively. Um, Canyon's led by three different seniors. Uh, quarterback J.D. Ford, he's done for 2,300 yards. Then uh, Indian as in Canyon, Texas, like out of the panhandle, right? Yeah, out, way shit. out there, right next to Amarillo, yeah. WT standout. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then uh, they got a guy named Jack McKay out at receiver who's who has 1,200 yards receiving as well. And then a guy named Brody Cook at running back, 1,200 yards rushing this year. So they've got a they've got a potent offense as well. Um, just off history alone, I think that Argyle and that tradition is just going to be a little bit too much for them. So I have the Argyle Eagles at 14 and 0 moving on uh, to the state championship. Uh, next game we have on there is Lindell versus the Austin LBJ Jaguars. So Lindell, uh, they actually, I think, dropped down this year uh, from what I thought I read correctly. Uh, Lindell is out there in East Texas, uh, also known as Beast Texas. Uh, pretty slow time. Uh, they've always got a good squad out there. Austin LBJ is one of those teams. Uh, they finished runner-up this year in their district to Lampasas, uh, which Lampasas has been pretty solid uh, the last couple of years. But uh, LBJ's got some athletes. They have a guy named Latrell McCutcheon, who's a four-star defensive back. He's committed to OU. So I'm interested to see how they hold up against Lindell because Lindell is just kind of one of those teams that's always around. And they got a they got a running back who's 6'2", 200 pounds, and he's went for over 800 yards this year. And dude's just he just gets after it a little bit. So I'll be interested to see what happens in that game, uh, just with some of the athletes that Austin LBJ has to go against Lindell. But I'm going to take Lindell in that one. You know who? Um, you know who's from Lindell, right? Who? The craziest white girl to ever walk. Oh, earth. Miranda Lambert. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, she, Pat Mahomes' dad was born in, born there or from there. See why I don't think White House is that far because uh, Mahomes is from White House, and I don't think right outside of Tyler and Lindell. Yeah, is, it's not too far from Lindell. But I, I knew that rang a bell. It was driving me crazy. So oh yeah. I guess we'll get there, but if you had a pick right now, are you take who are you taking at state? At state, um, so it's going to be my guess would be Argyle versus Lindell. Man, it's hard to go against Argyle. They're just they're just so tradition rich, and they're always there. And I tend to go with those teams that have been there before sometimes, just because they they're brothers and uncles and stuff like that, and you know dads have played in those games before, and it's just kind of. In these small towns, it just runs in your veins. Winning just runs in your veins, and those guys just uh, seem to always get it done when they get there. So I'd probably go with Argyle in this uh, to, to be my state champion for the 4 D one <clears throat> Moving on, uh, we have 4 D 2 So uh, I actually think that 4 D 2 might be – have a couple – might be better teams actually than 4 D one um, in our first game, you have the Graham Steers at 11 and one against the Gilmer Buckeyes. Um, Graham, they they're led by a guy named Hunter Lanham, who's thrown for 2,400 yards, and they have four receivers that are over 250 yards and two over 500. So they spread the ball out pretty well. Uh, and then they got a running back who's went for 1,800 yards. I mean, Texas high school football, uh, the spread these days is just really, uh, you know some of these offenses are just really dynamic and what they can do. They can run, they can pass. They obviously they can just do a little bit of it all, but then you have to go against Gilmer, man. Gilmer is one of those teams from East Texas. That's always, you always seem to hear about them. Uh, their quarterbacks thrown for three or 3,400 yards 
and also rushed for 900. So the dude yeah. dynamic, his name is Brandon Tennyson. And so I'll be interested to see what he does against Graham. And then there's two brothers from Gilmer, the Fluellen brothers. Both of them have gone for over 800 yards receiving this year. So how about how, how's that for having two brothers, you know, out there on the outside for you that can kind of go up and make a play happen for you? And just, uh, you know, I, I played with my brother and obviously we weren't all state or shit, but there, there's just a connection. Like you play, you play with him your entire life. And I mean, it made us like little negative three stars look like we were actually like if we were playing on a court together, like just it makes you look a lot better than you are when you know where he's going to be at all times and you know how he thinks. And yeah, you can get that comfortability with other players, but at the same time, it's not likely to, it's, it's not, it's not going to ever be as tight as it would be with a sibling. And so, right. you know, I haven't right. watched them play, but I can imagine the kind of connection those dudes have locking it down out there. Yeah. Gilmer, Gilmer's just always one of those teams. I mean, every time, every time I hear about, you know, playoffs times, playoff times coming, they, they always seem to find their way, you know, four or five rounds deep, even get, sometimes making it to the state game. So I look for Gilmer to probably beat Graham. Um, I always tend to side with some, some of those East Texas teams when they get to the playoffs, man. It's just something about those guys. They always get the job done. Uh, this next game is the one that is welcome. This next game is welcome to the motherfucking show kind of yeah. deal. Like, like, I don't know if it's televised, but this is the kind of game they need to get on TV. So the next one we're talking about, I hope we're on the same page as the Carthage Dogs against the Wimberley Texans. Yes, sir. Okay, so man, this one, this one, I mean, Carthage played China Spring last week, and China Spring was on a bit of a roll. Uh, they China Spring is close to my hometown. It's about 30 minutes right uh, right outside of Waco. Um, they beat West Orange Stark, and uh, who was the other team? I don't know. There were two top 10 teams they beat in the playoffs. Also in their district, they had Salado, who was a top 10 team, and Conley, who was a top 15 all year. And so they were pretty battle-tested, and Carthage just really took it to them. Um, throughout the first quarter, second second quarter, China Spring kind of hung in there, and then Carthage was just too much after that. They really put it on them um, and moved to 12-0. and 0. And then uh, – and also Carthage has a quarterback named Kai Horton. He's a three-star, according to 247 Sports. So I'll be interested to see with him. They didn't have a lot of stats on their uh, website, but – uh, I've kind of seen Carthage play, and uh, if I know anything about Carthage and he and him being the quarterback, I bet he's pretty good. And I bet they got some guys that can go around. Do they still have Keontae Ingram's brother, or was he graduated? I think year? he's a receiver now at Texas. I think he already moved on to Texas because I think his name was like Kevonte Ingram or something like that. Yeah. Um, then we got the Wimberley Texans. They beat Geronimo, Geronimo Navarro last week. Uh, it's also game Texas. That's your boy Stephens with Neck of the Woods. Yeah, yeah, and they're always they're always pretty solid, man. They always are in it as well. Um, but yeah, we got the Wimberley Texans. They got a quarterback named Matt Tippy. He's thrown for thirty five hundred yards, and they have two receivers over eight hundred yards. So they like to air it out a little bit. Um, that'll be interesting to see what happens in the athletes that Carthage has. I don't know if that'll work out well for them, but uh, Wimberley Wimberley always puts together a good team. So that'll be interesting to see what happens in that game. I'm gonna. For my state champions or my uh, state finals pick, I'll have Gilmer versus Carthage in an East Texas showdown. Yeah, dude, so is this the first year of realignment? Yeah, uh, this was a first year of the 
they re yeah they redid the district so there, there's a lot of uh, also uh we were talking about argyle earlier they have a kid in 2021 that is a three-star tackle going to tcu do they really okay yeah i'm, I'm just kind of going through and, that, and also your boys from tenaha i'll get i'll get to them in a little bit four-star in 2021 yeah yeah so so i'll get to them in a little bit at the bottom of our uh they're at the bottom at ta2 2ad2 because uh are they still in it no they're not in it but the played mm, that i've i've seen tenaha play a lot and i've never seen tenaha be out athleted and this team out athleted tenaha so we'll get to them in a little bit yeah and i'll just throw like some random fun facts in there as we're going through so like china You were talking about Carthage playing last round? Yes. Did you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, Chinese Spring, Spring, the team we were talking about that Carthage played, they have a three-star defensive end going to Kansas. Yeah, yeah. And who, who was the guy that you said was a three they, that you found on 24-7? Yeah, uh, the guy at uh, Carthage, the quarterback, Kai Horton. Okay. I haven't found him yet, but – Uh, so did you hear me no i didn't hear you i said let's go ahead and move on to 3a okay yeah we're going to 3a d1 so the first matchup we have is tuscola jim ned indians versus the mount vernon tigers do you know anything about mount vernon uh-huh you want to guess who their head coach is Oh, I know who their head coach is. Is it uh, Art Bryles? Art Bryles is the head coach oh, of Mount shit. Vernon. The 12-2 and two Mount Vernon Tigers. So, <clears throat> Tuscola, Jim Ned, and Mount Vernon are two teams you probably wouldn't think that would beat there. Tuscola beat Pilot Point last week, and the week before that, they beat Brock. And if you know anything about three – Brock was number one, right? Yeah, Brock was number one, and if Brock is always a tough out. And so, the fact that Tuscola – Jim Ned got through pilot. Hey, how's it going? It's just a huge deal. Then you look over at Mount Vernon. They beat Malakoff last week, which is uh, not too deep into East Texas, but uh, they're pretty far out there. Thing about Malakoff is the week before that, they pulled off their own big upset. I'm pretty sure they beat Grandview the week before that. And if you know anything, those two have been in the state semifinals against each other. Uh, multiple different times and had just sl slobber knockers against each other. And so slobber knockers, I'm stealing that one, dude. There you go. There you go. So the fact that <laughs> exactly the fact that uh, Malakoff beat Grandview, who is the two last who, who has won the last two state championships for 3AD1, and then Mount Vernon pulls out their own upset and beating Malakoff, uh, just kind of two teams that you probably wouldn't thought that would be, wouldn't think that would be there. Um, you got a kid at Mount Vernon. His name is Brock Naylor, and he's actually committed to AM Commerce to play quarterback for them next year. And so it'll be interesting to see what this kid does. He's a big kid. He's like 6'2", 220. And uh, it's just interesting to see that Art Browse has some of these guys in high school. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what his offense can do um, translating to the high school game, which it seems like it's worked out pretty good. And you look at Jim Ned, they're just kind of a balanced attack. Their QB threw for about 1,600 yards, and they got a – running back name, Xavier Wishort, I believe. And he ran for 2,000 yards this year. 
So they're kind of balanced. Uh, I think that's going to be a good game. I'm going to actually give the edge to to Scola, Jim Ned, um, just because of the road that they've they've played and uh, getting through Pilot Point and Brock's a pretty tough, pretty big deal. Then you look at the game, but under that you have Hallettsville. I know that you rest in peace against the Lano Yellow Jackets. Um, Hallettsville actually played your alma mater, Columbus, last week. And I watched yeah. that game, Jeez. and uh, if you had watched most of the game, you probably would have thought Columbus won, but there was one difference in that game, and his name is Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks uh, kind of took over uh, at the end of the game and just said, hey, I'm going to go win this game. I want to say, what, he run a, run a punt back and then just kind of sealed the game at the end? Yeah, so Columbus decided to, you know – a guy like Jordan Brooks, he's going to Texas. He's borderline. I think he is a four-star. Um, there, there's arguments on whether he's going to get playing time at Texas or not. I'm going to tell you after watching last week, he's going to get PT. Um, I don't know if he'll win any Heisman's or anything, but the, the dude can ball. And at the 3A level, he uh, he can tear you up. Yeah. He ran for six or 509 touchdowns the week before in the, like the third or fourth round of playoffs. So Columbus comes into this game. They're like, we're, he's, we're not, we're not gonna be able to stop him, but we need to slow him down. And so they basically dared Hallsville to throw the ball. And to be honest, I think Brooks was on the field for every play, offense, defense, special teams. And then I also think that he didn't get enough carries. I, I, I'm sure he was in like the 20 something carry, but he needed to have 30 plus. And Columbus hat was in. And uh, you know they were they were taking care of the clock and, and going down and getting touchdowns and forcing Houtsville to score every time. We're well, going into the fourth quarter. Houtsville's down eleven because Columbus's game plan is working. Jordan Brooks has got like one hundred and fifty rushing yards, seventy six of a game on one touchdown in the first half. Yeah. And then, uh, like I said, Columbus is up eleven. They come we out ran that back, and that was a well, huge so that's, deal. that's they threw it to this guy. He was wide open, about 25, 30 yards down the field. He got scared and dropped it, so then automatically they're behind the sticks. So then they have to throw it again and complete third down. They run it to get some room. They don't get anything, and then they punt it. It's a shank. Brooks snags it and takes it 45 yards to the house to give Hallettsville yeah. the lead. Or, yeah, no, so Hallettsville had scored already earlier. But anyways, the punt gives Hallettsville the lead, and then and the PAT up by two. Columbus drives down. And they said, well, this is it. We're going to drive down, run the clock out when, with like fit, a minute and 50 left. They kick a 31-yard field goal, bad snap. Kicker misses it wide left. And then Houtsville gives it to Jordan Brooks. Third down, Columbus is out of timeouts. You get the first down, the ball game's over. And, yeah, he, he's, he's pretty damn good. Yeah, man, he was he's a good ball player. It'll be interesting to see what he does at Texas. I think he'll I think he'll hold his own. He looks like a good ball player. He uh you know, I don't know if he'll end up the same body type and everything, but he kind of reminds me of what Keontae Ingram was like in high school. Okay. I got um, a, l- a little bit shiftier than Keontae Ingram, but he's he's built more towards the every down back kind of guy versus Jordan Winnington, who's gonna be a uh 
a scat back or a split out or a, or you turn him into Whittington a slot, slot. right? Yeah. Whatever. Then they have multiple options with Whittington. That's just what was best for him and their mm-hmm. offense. But for he, sure, he's a little bit jukey and shifty like Whittington, but he's a little bit more solidly built like Keontae Ingram. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then moving over, you got the Lano Yellow Jackets. Uh, they played in a couple of really big games this year against Lago Vista. Um, Lano actually won district against Lago Vista and then had to play him again uh, last round. And it's always really hard to beat a team twice, especially from your district, just because you're familiar with those guys. And there's always like a little rivalry, you know, when you're playing against your district again in the playoffs. They're led by a senior named Case Kirkendall. He threw for 2,000 yards and he also rushed for 1,400. So he kind of just does a little bit of everything for the Lano Yellow Jackets. I think at the in the end, though, I'm probably going to go with Hallettsville just because they have the best player on the field and the Brooks kid. So my state championship pick is going to be Tuscola Jim Ned versus the Hallettsville Brahmas. Spoiler alert, they've already played this year. Do what? Spoiler alert, they've played before. Hallettsville. They, they, they played the first week of October. Did, didn't, didn't, Jim Ned be, or didn't Jim Ned beat them? Yeah, so Hallettsville has two losses this year. And, well, uh, they lost to Shiner. Yeah, Shiner two a. Shiner Shiner's two a d d one and Hallettsville's three a d one. Yeah, just that. Shiner just beat uh, Refurio last Refurio, week to which advance we'll get, to the semis. And then uh, they played Jim Ned the second week, and I don't I don't know how the game ended up, but it was a 24-21. So it kind of sounded like the Columbus playoff game. It was kind of yeah. down to the wire. So maybe maybe they have something against Hallettsville. I'd love to see that rematch. Uh, I think, like you said, I think the key is to making Hallettsville pass and just stacking the box against the Brooks kid. Um, but we'll see what happens. And I, I don't mean to sh- What was that? Uh, what I was saying is I, I, I'd love to see that rematch against Tuscola, Jim Ned, and Hallettsville. I think the key against Hallettsville is to stack the box and uh, make them beat you passing the ball. Yeah, so so that guy can't – he can't really throw it more than 15 yards. Accurate. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, what were you saying? You're going to take Jim Ned versus Hallettsville, Hallettsville in your prediction. That's That's my prediction right there. Then we're going to move to 3AD2. This this game right here has a chance to be the best one out of all the state semifinal games. You have the Canadian Wildcats who are a, who are a mainstay against the Gunner Tigers. So listen to this. Um, for Canadian, their defense gives up 12 points a game. They're led by a quarterback named Josh Colwell who threw for 3300 yards. They have a running back named Hayes Holfsletter, 1,700 rushing yards. And this is a pretty cool name right here. His name is Twister Kelton, and he had about 1,000 receiving yards. So they they kind of do it all, man. They're they're solid. Canadian, they're 13-1. and one. Um, They're just – they're really good. And then you have Gunner. Uh, Gunner's kind of always in it. They're always, you know, in the state semis, uh, state championship game. Uh, they have three guys that rush for over – 500 yards, um, 
and their defense only gave up 10 points a game. So they just are, they're solid all around. I can't wait to watch this game. Uh, that that's going to be my game of the week right there is the one that I'm most excited about. It's just going to be a really good one. You have kind of Canadian that's going out. I wouldn't say West Texas, but getting out there and then Gunner's kind of the Wichita Falls area, I think, um, going up I'm there. Not, I'm not sure about Gunner or Gunther or whatever, however you say it, but I know that Canadian <clears throat> is Panhandle country. Yeah, Panhandle. That's right. I'm pretty sure Gunner is uh, getting – up top of Wichita Falls going towards maybe Lake Texoma up that, up that way. Does that sound? No, Possum Kingdom. I'm sorry. Possum Kingdom. PK. PK. Yeah. I don't know why I said Texas. seen fireworks on PK, Gunther, Texas. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, uh, right next to PK. Okay. Like just south of it. I think that makes sense. I got it. Hey, my, my geography is really good. Thank goodness for uh, seventh grade uh, Texas history and learning where everything was. <laughs> um, then the next semifinal, you had the Wascom Wildcats against the Franklin Lions. So uh, Wascom's another one of those teams. Um, they beat Elysian Fields, who beat them in district to actually win the district championship. So they had to come Elysian back. Fields. Elysian Fields. So they're all out in East Texas. Yeah. Um, Wascom's getting close to the Louisiana state border, I believe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to come and beat that district, that guy, that team in district who, you know, uh, beat you for the district championship. They, they always have kind of an edge on you. And for them to come do that in this uh, quarterfinals, that's kind of a big deal. And then you have the Franklin Lions who beat Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo was in their same district. Uh, I remember watching that game a little bit last week and uh, the commentators mentioned that the, the Franklin coaches told them that they thought they were still a year away uh, from being in the spot that they are right now. So Franklin's kind of arrived a year earlier. And I don't know if you remember this. Uh, there was a guy on Texags, I think it was Ryan Broniger, who posted a, a video of an eighth grader just mowing everybody over at like the start of the football season. Yeah. That kid's from Franklin. So he'll be on their varsity team probably next year. Oh, shit. Franklin. Hey, uh, uh, I, I, you were – kind of right the first time so it's uh gunther is north of dallas in between dallas and lake texoma it's right next to lake ray roberts okay and then uh yeah it's two and a half hours from pk i got the lakes mixed up that was my bad I gotcha. so i was texoma was the one okay i knew it was yeah. or pk i couldn't remember yeah. but yeah anyway, so Franklin's going to be good for a while, and Franklin's always solid. Uh, they always go three, four rounds deep. Uh, it's been a while since they've been to the state game, I believe, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get there. Uh, for my picks, though, I'm going to go Canadian over Gunner, and I'm going to Wascom over Franklin. So we'll have a little East Texas versus the Panhandle in that state championship game is what my prediction is. <laughs> and Handle's been coming in strong, and then uh, 5A rider – and not Ryder, uh, uh, what's the Lubbock Cooper's got some bad dudes over there. Really? Um, they they should have. Who, uh, who's the guys that recruit? Uh, Alito, they had Alito beat and lost on a bad call last year. And I'm pretty I think sure I remember that. I think I'm I pretty sure that. Alito went on to win state pretty handily, right? Yeah, it's always hard to beat Alito and the rest. Right, they they had they had them beat, and uh, 
We'll, we'll see what they got this year. Uh, I know a coaching a guy that coaches over there, but I don't know if they have his. I think they lost a lot off that team, but just in general, the Panhandle. So I know Abernathy in two and three A last year. Yeah, they're always was, was dirty. New Deal, which is north of Abernathy and between deal. Plainview. Yeah, uh, the Panhandle's just been coming on strong. I know Canada Canadians always been real good, but oh yeah, oh yeah. But so just, uh, just as a whole, and then here's another panhandle team I have coming up right here. You got the post antelopes. Oh shit. That's all 806. Yeah. So post man post this year, listen, listen to how many points a game they're giving up this year. They're giving up four points per game. Four <sighs> points per game. That is, four. Get, they've only given up one touchdown in the playoffs. They got four. Goals, <laughs> yeah. They've, they, They've given. They've got four guys who have over 500 y- rushing yards, and they're led by a kid named EJ Jefferson, who has a little over 1,500 yards. Um, man, Post is just on one this year. I knew that they made it deep last year, and so they must have had. They're, they're coming with a vengeance this year, and uh, they're playing the Crawford Pirates. So Crawford's another one of those two five four teams. Um, the thing about Crawford is, is uh, they. I haven't seen a whole lot about them this year. I knew they were going to be good. I didn't realize how good they were going to be. Um, they've, they played uh, Bosqueville last week, and they beat them pretty handily, uh, which is a little surprising because the first time they played, they beat Bosqueville 27-20, and then last week they beat them 48 to nothing. So they're kind of peaking at the right, right time. Uh, Crawford's only loss, though, was because of a COVID forfeit. They lost to Valley Mills on a COVID forfeit. So really, Crawford, it, they're 13-1 and right now, but – if they would have played Valley Mills, it would have been a 40 to nothing game. They, they're, they're way better than Valley Mills. Um, so they've, they've had a strong playoff showing. They haven't had a whole lot going against them. Granted, I think the 2AD1 uh, for the region, I don't think it's very strong this year, uh, just from some of the teams that I know that are in it. So I'm going to take Post. I think Post is probably going to run away with this one, to be honest with you. But Crawford, one of those teams, I, we played Crawford in multiple sports when I was coaching. And they just know how to win, man. They win at they win at football, basketball, and baseball. So I never want to count them out. I just think that post is uh, they they have something that they're trying to prove this year. <clears throat> then going to our other two AD one matchup, we have Timpson, the Timpson Bears, versus the Shiner Comanches. So Timpson is uh, one of those East Texas teams. Uh, they they look like they've won a lot of their games this year pretty easily. Um, and they haven't played – they haven't – they played pretty good competition just from looking at their schedule. They played, like, Alto. Um, they played Beckville last week. And those are all teams that are usually historically solid. But they're going to have to play Shiner. And uh, Shiner this year is a different animal. Shiner beat 3A D1 Hallettsville, who's in the state semifinals. And Shiner beat Refurio last week. You know anything about Texas high school football? Refurio is always a team that's going to be – close or either in that state championship game and Shiner beat him last week. Shiner's led by two brothers. Uh, they're, they're name, they're the Brooks brothers, no pun intended for the, they're, they're relatives. They're relatives. So there's Doug and Dalton. Doug is a six, one, 265 pound running back. Dude. I've watched them play. Refer- okay, hey, let me rephrase that. They're relatives to Jonathan Brooks, not the Brooks brothers. <laughs> oh, they are. They, they yeah. are, really? Yeah, that, no, that no, that's sense, his cousin. Actually. Yeah. God, dude, could you imagine all three of those guys on the same team? So Shiner and Hallettsville are maybe 15 minutes apart. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, 
But think about they have Doug at 6'1", 265, and they have his brother Dalton at 6'2", 175. And, man, they just get after you. They're just smash-mouth football, Shiner is. It's Watching them against Refurio last week, I haven't seen Refurio get out physical in a lot, a lot of times, and uh, they just really put it on Refurio last week. And it was a good game, but Shiner just, man, they uh, I think they're tired of everybody saying, hey, y'all are going to play Refurio. You know, y'all had a good season this year. No, yeah. it's like, no way. Hey, this is our year. So uh, I like Shiner in that game. Uh, I look to see Post versus Shiner in that state championship matchup, and that's going to be a damn good game. Uh, that could be that could probably be one of the best games actually if you if we want to get down to it. Moving on, we go to t- the smallest division of eleven man football and my personal favorite of eleven man football because I coached in it and that's where I grew up. Uh, we have the Wellington Skyrockets against the Winthorpe Trojan. Wellington. To be honest, before I'm gonna stop you right there, I have no idea where either of those towns are. Okay. So Winthorst, I'm pretty sure, is close to the Wichita Falls area. And Wellington is getting out in that Panhandle area, too. Wellington, Texas. 2,189 people. They are Panhandle. Yep. And the they panhandle- look like they're about 15 minutes from Oklahoma. Yeah, they, they'll go over and play some Oklahoma schools uh, during the preseason. What was the other one? Uh, Winthorst. W-I-N-T-H-O-R-S-T. They were in a uh, they were in a tough district this year. They were in there with Munster and Munster. They had to play Munster last week. Uh, I'll get to that. Love you know, cheese. Do what? Love cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So Winthorst's only loss was the to the Hamlin Pied Pipers. And uh, Hamlin last year played Mart, who we'll get to, a 25-20 game in the state championship. So a lot of teams thought that Hamlin thought that Winthorst is, but Hamlin got upset by Munster, who then went on to play Winthorst, and Winthorst ultimately beat Munster. Um, Wellington's one of those who's who's of uh, 2A D2 football. They're always in it. You know who they are. Uh, they have a cool, cool mascot, the Skyrockets. Offensively this year, they're averaging 38 points a game, and defensively, they're giving up 13 points a game. So they're usually winning each game by about three touchdowns, three to four touchdowns. Um, then you look at Winthorst. You have uh, the Belcher brothers. Um, they kind of they kind of make Winthorst run. You have Cy Belcher at quarterback who threw t- for 2,100 yards, and you have each Ethan Belcher who went for 1,900 yards. Um, I believe as the running back. So uh, you got two brothers right there and you have another kid named Kyle Wolf who had a thousand yards receiving. So they, they kind of, uh, do you know who uh Tex winner is? Tex winner. That sounds familiar. The former NBA basketball coach. That sounds really familiar. He, he coached the Rockets in the seventies. Uh, he was assistant for the Lakers in the early two thousands. Anyways, he was born in Wellington, Texas. Wellington. Okay. Well, Wellington's always good at basketball, too. They're all- he, he was one of the uh, original triangle offense guys. Really? Okay. Well, I think it'd be safe to say that Wellington probably runs the triangle then. Um, <clears throat> so, but in this game, I'm going to go with the Wellington Skyrockets. Uh, they're just one of those teams that knows how to win. They always get there. Uh, so I have Wellington in that first 2A-D2 semifinal matchup. 
Then we have the number one state ranked 13 and 0 Mark Panthers against the 11 and 2 Fall City Beavers. No offense to Fall City, but Mark's just got too much firepower. Mark out athleted Tennessee Hall last year, and Mark has won the last three state championships, two of them in 2AD2 and one of them in 2AD1, where they beat Refurio. Um, Mart has a multitude of different guys that can take it to the house at any point. Uh, they're just one of those teams that just, I mean, going and watching them play is just, it's something else. They're always, they're always a threat to win the state championship. They uh, historically, I think they've won seven or eight state championships um, for the town of Mart. Um, just a lot of tradition there. Uh, I mean, my favorite player from Mart, his name is Quan Cosby. He was actually. Oh, I was just about to quiz you. I was just about to quiz you. Yes, Quan Cosby. Uh, he was a, and it's kind of funny that that's my favorite player because he played at the University of Texas, but uh, just just an absolute stud athlete. Uh, he went to Mart, got offered by the University of Texas, played baseball for a couple years at Mart, got drafted by the major league. So he went and played major league baseball. Then he comes back to University of Texas and plays football for them and then got drafted by Cincinnati and played in the league for a couple of years. So just one of those guys that can do it all uh, that was from Mart. And uh, they just, I mean, the, the athletes that they have is crazy and they're all homegrown kids. Uh, if you ever get a chance, go to Mart, Texas and watch them play because you will not be let down. There was a guy from, uh, that played for A&M in the 40s from Mart. He ended up playing in the NFL. He was, really? uh, his name's Cullen Rogers. He uh, does not have a lot of history. There was, used to be a 16 rounds in the NFL draft. Holy shit. Goodness gracious. I, I, I'm going to say that he didn't. Uh, he played football and baseball at AM, but I'm going to guess he didn't really sustain them a very long career in the NFL. But yeah, and, the, and the, the unfortunate part is uh, my Hubbard Jaggers, they always have to play Martin District now. And uh, man, they just got too much firepower. They, so in our district, it's us, Chilton, Bremond, um, uh, Wortham, and Frost. And uh, Bremond was a state-ranked top 10 team. And if you know anything about Bremond a couple years ago, they had Rashad Paul, and they were winning state championships. Well, Mart beat them like 70-something to six this year. That just tells you how good Mart is. And uh, so it's it's unbelievable. So I have Mart overwhelmingly over Fall City. When I watched them play Tennehall this, this weekend, they were up 21 to nothing with the, with halfway through the first quarter. Uh, they just have so much firepower. So I have Martin Wellington in my 2AD2 finals, and I have the Mart Panthers going for their fourth straight state championship this year. Um, so that's all we have, or I have for my, uh, you know, my state semifinals. Hopefully be back here next week with a little bit more insight into what's going on with the state finals and maybe a couple guest appearances from some of uh, our coaching, my coaching buddies. Kings of the school, man, where the boys are fall. Well, it's turning face to stars and stripes. It's batting back them butterflies. It's calling in the air. Hey, everybody, real quick. As you can tell, I was having a little bit of internet issues recording this week's episode, so... We got cut a little bit short. We got through the 2A, 3A, and 4A games. If one of your teams are still in the playoffs, good luck to you this weekend. Um, 
hopefully everybody enjoys this. We'll be back next week doing state championship previews and playoff previews for the big schools. Um, I don't know if Tove's mentioned it or not, but he is bringing one of his former high school coaching buddies from the Central Texas area, uh, Waco coach. And uh, we'll be talking him to him, picking his brain and figuring out who he likes for the state championship games and the different divisions next week. And with that, we also have another J-Boy episode coming on to Eat His Crow after Texas A&M took out Auburn last weekend. We had to postpone because obviously, as you could tell, I was having internet issues that night. And then the next day when we we're supposed to record, my internet decided to actually fall off the face of the earth and die. So we're trying to get J-Boy rescheduled so he can come eat some crow, hang out with us, talk some college football playoffs. And with that, see you on the other side. Take it easy. Slinging mud and dirt and grass, it's a gun.